Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Hi, friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here. You know, one of the ways of making America great again is making America pro-life, making America a place where the most vulnerable children are protected. That's not extreme. When the most vulnerable children are protected, you and I are part of the greatest political movement in our nation's history. I believe that when President Trump says that, the MAGA movement, making America great, isn't that making America a place where we don't tolerate violence Uh, against the smallest of children. And where we do better when we're trying to solve the problems of society or serve the needs of a pregnant mom uh, or a family that's struggling, that we can do better than killing the child. Well, I'm bringing this up tonight, not only because it's the issue I work on full time, but because next week we're going to see a cross-section of Americans who are working very hard to make this country great again converge on Washington, D.C. on Friday. That's a week from tomorrow. Converge on uh, San Francisco on Saturday the 20th and March for Life. I want to show you tonight, I want to walk through with you tonight some of the key activities that are going to go on in both cities and uh, give you some um, uh, details online as to where to uh, follow these events. But first, let's do as we always do and pray, go into the Word of God. And there's a particular passage that I want to uh, reflect with you about that gets to the heart of this issue of uh, the protection of these children and uh, the division that has uh, come about in our society uh, as a result of, of abortion. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. So Luke uh, chapter 10, starting in verse 25, we read the following. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. 
He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let us pray. Lord, you ask us, who is our neighbor? You asked Cain, after he committed the first murder in human history, where is your brother? Lord, these two questions of Scripture confront us today. In fact, they confront us throughout human history, and they will follow us to your judgment seat where they will confront us again. Who, where is your brother? Who is your neighbor? Enable us, Lord, to answer these questions thoroughly, honestly, accurately, and with love that excludes nobody. Who is our youngest neighbor? Where are our youngest brothers and sisters? Enable us, Lord, as a nation to understand this issue of the unborn and their status in, in law and in culture. Help us to continue to advance the equality that we know they have. Help us to continue to advance the well-being of families, especially those who face unexpected, unplanned pregnancies and don't know what to do about it. Help our fellow citizens to understand that there is an entire movement providing every day the courage, the strength, the resources, the services, the resources that are needed to carry on that pregnancy in a way that does not involve killing the child. Make America great, Lord God, by enabling us, empowering us to live up to your command to serve the needs of our neighbor, not to kill our neighbor, to your command to choose life, not to choose death, to your command to rescue the needy and not to eliminate them. Give us the strength, Lord God, to wrestle with this issue Give our candidates wisdom in addressing this issue. Give our lawmakers guidance in legislating on this issue. Give our judges right judgment in judging cases about this issue. Lord, renew our commitment to make our nation great, not by doing what's convenient or popular, but by doing what is right. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, there's so many uh, so many uh, streets in so many cities across America named after Martin Luther King Jr. And Alveda King, his niece, works with us, as you know. She's been here on our program. She's worked with us full-time for 16 years. And she says to America that the pro-life movement is the civil rights movement of our times. Now, she knows something about civil rights and the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King was, as she calls him, her Uncle ML. 
She knows what civil rights is, and she marched with her family in the civil rights movement. Her dad, not as well known as Martin, but her dad, Reverend A.D. Williams King, was a great civil rights leader too, side by side with his brother and with so many others. And she knows a thing or two about civil rights movements. Well, next week is the March for Life in Washington, D.C. on uh, Friday, uh, January 19th. It's held each year close to the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision, which came down on January 22nd of 1973 and legalized abortion throughout pregnancy. Now, that decision was, was overturned in 2022. And so now the matter gets to be decided by you, the people, and, and by our elected representatives. But the point is that at the March for Life many years ago, Alvita and I marched uh, together, and I asked her as we were marching up Constitution Avenue, I said, does this remind you of the marches with your uncle in the civil rights movement? And her answer to me, my friends, was, Father Frank, this is the civil rights movement. Because what civil right that we all possess is more basic than life? What civil right can be more fundamental than that? What right is the condition for all the other rights? I mean, let's just think of it logically. If you don't protect someone's life, how can you protect their right to an education or to fair labor practices or to be protected from tyranny or to the right to work? Or what? what right can we have that doesn't rest and depend completely on the solid foundation of the right to life. Isn't that why our Declaration of Independence says that we're given certain rights by God and that among these are life? And then liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You can't, you can't be free unless you're alive. You can't pursue happiness if you've been killed. Right to life and the protection of the right to life is the first and most fundamental duty of government. Is it not? Or do you want your life protected in Mississippi, but not in New York, or protected up until you're 75, but not after? None of that would make sense to any of us, because life, we know instinctively, we express it in different words, perhaps, or different language, but we all know instinctively and logically yeah, this is the most fundamental right that we have. You can't, you take away somebody's life, you ta you've taken away their, their right to vote. You've taken away their, uh, the right to health care. You've taken it away. You've made it impossible. All right, so it is the most fundamental of issues. And it's certainly a volatile one in our day and in our times. Next week, a lot of people will be gathering together to express their views on this issue, and we should listen. We should pay attention to this great movement called the pro-life movement. I helped to lead this movement. And uh, many of you are involved in it. May, many of the rest of you are not quite involved in it, but are sympathetic to it. And let's re remind ourselves of what it is that we're trying to do. We're not trying to suppress women's rights or their role in society. We're not against women's uh, health care or anybody's health care. We're certainly not against constitutional freedoms. We believe in freedom. We believe in rights. We believe in women. Let me show you what we don't believe in. We don't believe that any of these things should justify this. Let me show you the diagram of an abortion. 
Let's show it on the screen. Friends, look at what's happening here in this diagram. This is a this is produced by Nucleus Medical Media. This is a company that produces medical diagrams for textbooks, for court cases involving uh, description of medical procedures. So this is this is a neutral and scientific source. And brothers and sisters, what you see there is legal activity in many places in the United States where in the name of freedom and choice, those are not the issues, the life of that baby is, in the name, however, of those things, you can see right there what's happening. The baby's leg is grabbed by forceps and pulled out. Child is dismembered. The medical textbooks uh, describing abortion use the word dismemberment. And that's what you see right there in front of you. The arms are taken off. The torso is taken out bit by bit. And then the head is collapsed and taken out in pieces. We are committed to freedom. When does freedom begin? Does not freedom begin as soon as life begins? If there are human rights... Don't human rights begin when human lives begin? Doesn't that human life right there in that diagram have any rights? Brothers and sisters, this is the fundamental issue. This is what we oppose. We're not opposing women. We're not opposing freedom. We're not opposing choice. We're not opposing the Constitution. We're opposing this. We're opposing this violence of dismemberment and decapitation. Now, some will say, okay, we can go back to full screen. Some will say that, um, oh, but, you know, earlier on in the pregnancy, it's different. You were showing us uh, abortion taking place at 23 weeks. All right, then let's look at what, what does, how developed do you think the baby is at seven or eight weeks? What do you think that baby looks like? Let's take a look. There's, does that look like a baby? That baby, seven weeks and eight weeks, um, that baby's still called an, called an embryo until the end of the eighth week. This is the child that we are advocating for and speaking about. This child, while still called an embryo, has thousands of body parts that you and I have. All the organ systems are already there. Uh, this is not some kind of... Uh, undefined mass of tissue. These are images of the babies that we are talking about. Okay, so there's going to be hundreds of thousands of Americans gathering next week. Let me tell you what's going to happen and invite you to take part in this, or at least to follow it online on, on my social media at FR Frank Pavone. You'll be seeing in these days a lot of announcements about what's going to happen. I want to tell you some of the events I'll be leading and some of the things we'll be doing. A week from today, on January the 18th, there is going to be a national protest at the Planned Parenthood headquarters in Washington, D.C. And let me give you a website right here where you can see the addresses, the times, the events. ProLifeMarch.org. ProLifeMarch.org. Mark that, visit that. You'll see exactly what I'm about to tell you in all the detail that you need. If you want to join us, if you're able to, 
uh, or you can, again, you can follow these events online. ProLifeMarch.org indicates that on the 18th, we'll be having a prayer service at Planned Parenthood. Why would we go to Planned Parenthood? It's the largest abortion business in the world. It's also a criminal organization. They bypass, for example, mandatory reporting laws if they see a, an adult bringing a minor in for an abortion. They don't even uh, uh, follow the, what they're supposed to do in terms of reporting suspected statutory rape or, or suspected uh, sexual abuse of a minor. It's a criminal enterprise. They actually coach these people how to avoid the demands of the law uh, that would otherwise require such reporting. We know that because we have the taped telephone conversations with these abortion clinics. Go to childpredator.com and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, so we're going to go to Planned Parenthood. We're going to make our voices known. We're going to have a lot of students there from schools across the country. We're going to have a lot going on. And uh, we're going to pray. Uh, different pro-life leaders will speak. Planned Parenthood is also a political machine. You know, those of us that are on this program, you know, we know about politics and we're concerned about the direction of our politics. Planned Parenthood every year pumps tens of millions of dollars into the campaigns of guess which party? Guess, just take one guess. Anybody know? The Planned Parenthood pumps tens of millions of dollars into Democrat campaigns. Why? Because the Democrat Party holds that the violence that we just saw in that diagram or that this little babies that we just saw in those photos, that, that that diagram, that that violence should be permitted and that those babies should not have any rights. That's what the Democrat Party stands for. So we're going to uh, stand against Planned Parenthood for perpetuating this evil at your expense and mine, by the way, because they get hundreds of millions of dollars in government funds. That's our money, tax money, going to them. They should not be getting it. That is something long overdue to put an end to the funding of Planned Parenthood. All right, let's move on to what's going to happen after that. We are actually going to go to the White House, and we're going to have a midday a protest in front of the White House to show what an abortion is. Again, this is a theme that we're hitting on. It's like, how can we even have an honest debate in this country when we aren't talking about the same thing? The two sides that are debating the abortion issue aren't talking about the same thing. The Democrats want to bring abortion front and center because they think they can win votes on the issue. They're wrong. They're going to lose on this issue. And, uh, but they, but they, they, when they bring forth the abortion topic, they don't talk about abortion. That's the difference. And that's why we're going to challenge them. Okay, you're going to bring forth the topic? Talk about the topic. Talk about what an abortion is. Show the diagram that I just showed you. Why, why, why shouldn't we? That's a neutral source. Just show, show, what, what, if you think it's a good thing, why, why are you afraid to describe it? Why are you afraid to let people see it? They are afraid to let people see it. They won't dare describe it. And so one of our great strengths here in this whole argument is to say, let's have the argument. Is this, is this making sense to you? We challenge them. Describe what you defend. You're just saying they defend abortion. I know all the different arguments people will give, and maybe some of you feel like, oh, well, maybe there's something to be said for you know allowing it under certain circumstances. Yeah, but hold on a second. Before we even talk about 
whether it should be allowed, which we need to get everybody on the same page about what it is we're talking about in the first place, what it is that we're allowing. They won't do that. Challenge any Democrat candidate on abortion. Describe what you defend. Just describe it. Describe it. Or show me a picture of it. There's another website I want to give you. Look at abortion.org. Look at it. Look at abortion.org. Challenge people to look at it. Okay. So what we're going to do next week, we're going to do it right in front of Biden's house. The White House. That's Thursday the 18th. Friday morning the 19th, we are going to have the National Prayer Service. And you can go to nationalprayerservice.com to find out the details. Uh, We're going to honor Mark Houck. You know the film Police State, right? You know about the weaponization of government, right? Well, on the morning of Friday the 19th at Constitution Hall, Mark's going to be there. And we're going to give him a pro-life award. He was uh, raided by the FBI because he was engaged in peaceful pro-life activism. But the Biden administration wanted to bring him under federal charges with their face law, as it's called, freedom of access to clinic entrances that says you can't intimidate people going into an abortion facility. Mark wasn't doing any such thing. As a jury, completely acquitted him. But nevertheless, that didn't stop this weaponized government from targeting him. We're going to gather together with him and show the Biden administration, that we're quite aware that they want to target many, many more of us to intimidate this movement for life. We're not going to be intimidated. The theme of the prayer service is our voices for life will not be silenced. So Mark Houck, we're going to honor him. You might have heard of Bishop Joseph Strickland, a bishop in the Catholic Church who was removed from his position uh, by Pope Francis and uh, not for doing anything wrong, not for doing anything wrong. The man criticized Biden. The man is not afraid to apply faith to politics. The man is not afraid to speak up for what is morally right, fighting abortion, defending those unborn babies, and some of the other bishops, they didn't like it because he was putting them to shame. He was putting them to shame because you know as well as I, whether you're Catholic or not, so many of these religious leaders, uh, they want to be politically correct. They want to beat around the bush. They don't want to talk about the things that really challenge people, especially in the arena of public policy. So we're going to stand with Bishop Strickland because he's going to be there too. And we're going to have a great time of prayer prior to marching. That's what we do after the prayer service. We march. We will march up Constitution Avenue. We will march past the Capitol building. We will march around to the Supreme Court. And uh, this is, as I say, the largest annual pro-life demonstration, not just in America, but in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people. At the conclusion of that march, when it reaches the Supreme Court, there around mid-afternoon to 2.30, we have what's called a silent no more gathering. What is that about? Friends, the people who have had abortions. There are many who speak out publicly about what that experience was like for them. Why are they speaking out publicly? They've come to healing. They've asked forgiveness from the Lord Jesus. They've been embraced by the church and the pro-life community. And they want to warn other people that abortion is not the solution to a problem that many try to make it seem to be, but rather it causes more problems. You can hear their voices and their stories at abortiontestimonies.com. People will say, oh, but you know, women are in difficult situations We know very well. They know best of all. They were in those situations. But now their voices are rising up saying abortion 
that was not the solution. We have to listen to them, friends. And we'll be able to listen to them Friday in person. Friday night, I'll be flying to San Francisco. We'll be doing the same thing the next morning in San Francisco at the Walk for Life West Coast, the second largest pro-life gathering each year. And once again, we'll have a group out there, people that have had abortions, and they're going to share their stories. Friends, this is powerful. This is needed. This, I want to urge you tonight to think, is part of making America great again. When we can come to realize, what, what are we doing? We've got an entire political party pushing abortion front and center as a fundamental right. A fundamental right to do what? Let's put that diagram, medical diagram up there again. A fundament, Does this look like a fundamental right to you? Something that our, our founders wanted to put in our Constitution and say, hey, this is freedom, friends. This is what freedom looks like. There's freedom. There it is. Just ponder that for a moment. We're having a fake debate in this country. We think we're talking about abortion. But we don't have the courage to face what it is. The Democrats are saying, hooray, hooray for abortion. They don't, they don't dare. They don't dare describe what it is. They don't dare show these pictures. What, you think Joe Biden would ever give one of his speeches extolling the women's right to choose and have a podium next to him, have an easel next to him with this particular diagram on it? And just imagine that for a moment. Joe Biden's standing there like he stood there so many times. Oh, yeah, yeah we're gonna, our priority, we're going to protect this right to re reproductive right. There. There's his reproductive rights right there, friends. Take a look at it. You think Biden would ever put that poster on an easel and stand next to it and proudly promote abortion? No, he would never do that. And yet, that's abortion. Why do you think he would never do that? Because it's self-evident how wrong it is. And again, we say this without condemnation to anyone because we, we run, at my organization, Priests for Life, the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion. We run this Silent No More campaign together with Anglicans for Life where people are saying, yeah, I found mercy, I found forgiveness, I made a terrible mistake. But listen, friends, my final point, we who reject abortion do not reject those who have had abortions. No, not in, not in any way. We embrace them with mercy, forgiveness, and peace. And to anyone who feels they have to have an abortion, please know there are almost four times as many pregnancy centers across America as there are abortion facilities. And these pregnancy centers are providing loving assistance every day. You want to know how to find them? Pregnancycenters.org. You put in your zip code and you will find the one nearest to you. We don't abandon people. We don't just say to people, oh, abortion's wrong, don't do it. No, we extend our hands to help them, to lift them up out of despair. There's the website. Pregnancycenters.org. People who need this help, you know, you can save a life just by knowing that website. You can save a life. And you can save a mom and a dad from a lifetime of regret by preventing them from choosing what many are making them think is the solution, but it's not. All right, that's 
Once again, prolifemarch.org. See the schedule of what's going to happen next week. And as we get closer, I'll talk to you a little bit more about it as well. I want to really invite you to be there if you can, or else to at least follow online the beautiful things that are going to happen as people who are filled with compassion gather together, advocate for these voiceless children, advocate for their moms and dads, and advocate for the greatness of America, which is based on the right to life, not the right to kill, which is based on freedom, not the tyrannical oppression of those little lives. Let's pray. We come before you, Father. Humble, repentant of our own sins, not anyone. Not trying to control anyone, not trying to deprive anyone of their rights. No. Lord, we come to you with love for you and for the lives that your word tells us are wonderfully created in the womb. And we think back to this parable of the Good Samaritan. Lord, why did the priest and the Levite pass by on the other side? The road was a dangerous one. Maybe they thought, if I stop to help this man, the same robbers who attacked him are, are going to attack me. If I stop to help this man, what's going to happen to me? And then the Samaritan came along. And he reversed the question. The Samaritan came along and saw the man who had fallen in with the robbers lying on the road, and he said, not if I stop to help this man, what's going to happen to me? He wasn't thinking about the danger he might be in. He asked another question. If I don't stop to help this man, what's going to happen to him? Who is my neighbor? The one in need. Where is your brother? God asked Cain. I hear his blood crying out from the ground. Lord, who is our neighbor? Are these children that we saw in those pictures and in that horrific medical diagram, are they perhaps our our youngest neighbors? Does your word tell us that they were made wonderfully and beautifully in the secret place of the womb, that maybe we ought to be concerned about them? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Have mercy on your neighbor. Protect your neighbor. Lift up your neighbor when he is weak and in need. Lord, we're committed to making America great. Enable us to, with a clear mind, with a pure heart, honestly face head on, once and for all, this issue of abortion. No more beating around the bush. No more pretending to talk about it when we talk about everything except it. Help us resolve it. 
Help us resolve it. Help us protect the vulnerable. We pray now in the words that Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. My fellow patriots, all the best to you. Love and prayers every day. Join me again tomorrow. We got a lot to talk about, about saving America. Thank you for what you do, and know that you're in my prayers. God bless. This is Father Dennis Wild, pastoral associate of Priests for Life. Been in the organization for 25 years, and it's marvelous because I want to tell you today about financial support for one of our most effective pro-life ministries in the world. Priests for Life has been leading the fight against abortion for decades. We are led by a strong and varied team of pro-life activists and experts in mobilizing churches, electing pro-life candidates, leading prayer efforts, publishing and broadcasting, healing the wounds of abortion, uniting pro-life leaders in strategy, meetings, defending life in the international arena. All of this, Priest for Life does not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have very high evaluations among charities and top security on our donation site, prolifegift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor. Or you can call us at 321-500-1000. That's 321-500-1000. God bless you. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.